0: Loosely adapted from Jane Austen's Emma.
1: It totally took place in the 90s, though. <laughs> Find all of these books and more adaptations on our originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals.
0: Start your next read from the movies we've covered. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals today. Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to the next reel. When the movie ends,
1: our conversation
0: begins. Booksmart is over. Prepare to get consensually bashed. Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. We have to go to a party tonight. What? No, no, no. Not acceptable. This is not okay. Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed
1: you to take my breath away? Picture this. I'm a bagger. Put me
0: to your Book smart, Andy. I'm so glad we talked about this movie finally. And what a great way to end our coming of age series, don't you think?
1: Uh, You know, I'll say this coming of age series, and we'll talk about it in our retake. Episode that are uh, that is our member bonus post series uh, episode. Looking at the entire series, Uh, this has been a really fantastic series. Like I feel like every single film that we have covered in this series has been a winner.
0: I, I really do too, for different reasons, reasons that are unexpected. I think I had some assumptions of what a coming of age film needed to achieve and uh, and i 'm surprised at in some cases about how how far these movies have gone to achieve what they 're doing and still become a rewarding coming of age watch this one I, I think fits more of the stereotype of what I was expecting uh, and and what defines a coming of age film really? for me and and okay. certainly has so many more of the the comedic uh, bits uh, to it for me I, I really like this is the funny coming of age film um, and uh, i I just uh, I just adore it. Um, it it doesn't it doesn't get old
1: well I'm very much looking forward to kind of in our retake kind of defining coming of age films because there there's so much gray area about what is really a coming of age story like is american pie coming of age like where is the line as far as coming of age like what does it take to actually come of age
0: Well, yeah. And what is the difference between a coming of age film and just a broad teen comedy? Like, are there are they different? Is there a difference between the two? Like, I, I don't know. I think you're I think you're right. I was about to to really shun you about your comment about American Pie. My instinct was, of course, it's a coming of age film. But you might you might be right. There is gray area, Andy.
1: Yeah, but it's tricky because it's like it's at that period. It's like we're about to graduate. Yeah, does that make it coming of age? Like, yeah. oh, everybody's coming on. of age. Is Spider Man a coming of age story? Because yeah. he, he graduates <laughs> in the film, and then he's trying to figure out how to be how to survive post post high school. Spider Man's coming of age.
0: Okay, Spider Man. It could be coming of age if they didn't make m- so many Spider Man movies about him in high school.
1: Like because he of has the to come character. of age. A lot, it's a superhero. He's so he, much. Coming he, has, age. he has a very hard time with it. And
0: so it makes you think, will this idiot ever grow up? No. Like, he, come he, on, man. He's, <laughs>
1: it is the Groundhog Day of coming of age stories. It is. It is
0: the Groundhog Day of coming of age story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the log line. Uh,
0: OK, so anyway, we're talking about Booksmart. Olivia Wilde's uh, a, a
1: debut film. Debut yeah. film. Olivia Wilde, who's speaking of Spider-Man, is actually right now um slated to be helming it's unannounced what it is, but it is a Sony Marvel project, which makes me th- and it's a female centric hero, so it makes me think that she's doing the black cat. <gasps> Spider Gwen. No, I think she's doing black cat. Black
0: cat. I'd take yeah. that too. Oh, oh my god, I would that take is that my, too. That's a hunch. Uh, it's
1: a hunch. But yeah, I wouldn't hunch. be surprised at all if that's the direction she's going. Plus, of course, she's got uh, you know, after this film, she has Don't Worry Darling, which is coming out later this year. That's the one she did with um uh Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, and that's the one where she ended up hooking up with Harry Styles. Uh Gemma Chan's in that one, Nick crawl That's gonna be an interesting one. Um and that's the one with the, the 50s story about like a, an experimental community, uh, which sounds very much Stepford Wife sort of thing. And then she has Perfect coming up, which is um, the film that she's doing with um, uh, McKenna Grace and Thomas and McKenzie about the uh, Carrie Strug gold medal in the 96 Olympics trying to uh, compete for gold after getting injured. So, wow, she's busy and it all starts here. busy. It all starts right here. And we should say, it starts here as a director. She had been acting for nearly uh, 15 years, I think, by the time she did this film. So she's a very busy performer. Uh, What's your favorite? Do you have a sense of her as an actress? Anything that stands out that uh, you say, uh, when I think of her, I think of X film?
0: Well, I, it's not a film, it's house. Uh, the series watched every episode uh, of that show, and she was on it from 2000, I don't know, six, seven to when it ended in 2012. Mm. And uh, I really, really liked her. Uh, I liked that she introduced us to Huntington's disease. Uh, her character w- played, you know, was a complex um, character. And uh, I, I think she she had a, a deeply sort of rich arc over the course of her show and over her performance on that show. And I, I just really, really liked it. I know it was, um, you know, reports that it was a tumultuous set, but, um, but I, I, that is where I, I get her. But I, you know, if, if it's not that, then it's the big ones, right? It's like Tron legacy. Um, it's, um, I I don't know what
1: else cowboys and aliens (laughs) in time is I, I usually think of her of in time. Oh, with uh, Timberlake. Yep, yeah, yep. right, right, right. Oh, that's a good, that's a good pull, which too. Which, totally. I, I enjoyed that. I thought it was, uh, you know, yeah. it, it didn't stick completely, but I thought it did a pretty good job. Uh, of course, she also was just Gozer in the new Ghostbusters movie.
0: Yep, yep, yep. I, um, I, uh, the, the other bit of sadness on a, which, on a thing that we, you know shouldn't know about really but the sadness is that she is divorced from uh or not they were never married i don't think but they they have two kids together uh, she was she was in a relationship with uh jason sudakis coach lasso and uh that they ended their relationship right around when the season two of uh ted lasso dropped when he was dealing with the repercussions of his life falling apart with his uh on screen Spouse, It was just uh, like a, a blooming onion of heartbreak um, between the two of them because they were a neat couple.
1: It and Makes uh, sense why he would so, be popping up in this film.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. That's exactly right.
1: As so. the principal slash Lyft driver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's really funny is, that, you know, we watched, we watched and loved all of Ted Lasso. And uh, I, at the end of the movie, I was like, you know, I looked at my wife and I said, what do you think about it? Uh, it's funny seeing Coach Lasso in there. She's like, wait, which one was he? Wow! So just amazing the difference a mustache and a beard, right? Because he has kind of a scruffy beard, and and she just could
1: not, long could hair. not pick him out. Yeah, yeah, long hair, right? Yeah. So he was great. Anyway, that's it that's it well this uh this film um i guess we'll get into talking about it but it was rated r when it was released uh shouldn't come as much of a surprise Uh, rated r for strong sexual content and language throughout drug use and drinking all involving teens we that has been the recurring thing i mean it's coming of age series so all involving teens is in every one of these (laughs) warnings so be prepared we're going to be talking about all of it in this show
0: I just keep going though, so she's gonna make fast. Nonstop. Kelly, it's a New riding berry, I do what I
1: wanna do. Wanna watch this movie and help us out? Well you can. If you see an Apple or an Amazon link to the movie in the show notes, just click on it. It will take you right to their site and you can rent or buy the movie. And when you do this, they give us a little tiny piece in return. It's pretty awesome.
0: Yes, they do. And you know who else gives us a piece? Our merch store over at truestory.fm slash TNR merch. Head over there, you can get shirts, stickers, mugs, masks, pillows, and more with anything that we have come up with for the show, whether it's our
1: logo or... I just saw a Spicoli Surf School shirt got sold again. Spicoli Surf
0: School. Yes, that one is. Is that one second behind Rusty the International uh, uh, Tour from Vacation? Don't know. Uh, but know. they keep selling.
1: Pack Tech sticker got sold. That's,
0: that's right. Pack Tech sticker. Yeah. Everybody wants to rep the fake alma mater. Uh, that's over <laughs> at TrueStory.fm slash TNR merch.
1: We would love to feature audio reviews from you, our dear listeners. Just send us an audio file to reviews at TrueStory.fm as soon as you watch the film, and you just might end up getting showcased on our episode. You got to get them in quick, though. We do record about two weeks in advance. So make sure you watch the film, record it, send it in. Within two weeks, and uh, it'll end up in the show. Reviews at truestory.fm.
0: But Andy, you might be saying, how is it possible that I would be able to record a review for a movie that I don't know you're watching? Well, that's where I come in, and I tell you, we have solved that problem. Head over to letterboxd.com slash the next reel. That's our Letterboxd HQ page. We love Letterboxd. It's the best social network for movie lovers. You can write your own reviews, share reviews, like other other movie lovers' reviews. It's really fantastic. And when you fall in love with the place and you think, gosh, Letterboxd is perfect, it would be so much more perfect without ads, you just need to upgrade your plan. Support the team that makes Letterboxd, get rid of ads, and uh, by upgrading to the pro or patron uh, level at Letterbox. And you can do that with the discount code NEXTREEL or just visit visit the slash letterbox and you will get 20% off and this works for renewals as well.
1: Letterboxd has their membership. We have ours as well. If you would like to sign up and support our show, we would certainly appreciate it. We use Patreon's Memberful platform. It's built right into the site and makes it super easy to become a member. You can become a member at a month to month at a month to month rate or at the annual rate, and you get all sorts of goodies. You get um, bonus episodes. We do a monthly member bonus episode, it fills in the gap from our previous series. Uh, this month we're going to be doing. Uh, Life Force uh, from our original sci-fi series, which I mean, technically, it's based on a book, but that's okay. we, We really want to talk about it. Anyway,
0: I wish they'd stuck with the book title, though, The Space Vampires.
1: Space Vampires, right? I know. <laughs> uh, members also get to vote on what we're talking about in these uh, in those episodes. We do a monthly flick chart re-ranking episode where we jump into our flick chart and uh, shake things up a little bit, do some re-ranking to see what moves up and what moves down. And we're doing, as I said earlier, we're doing a retake episode at the end of each series. This is uh, where we talk about everything we learned over the course of the series in, uh, in one nice uh, packaged episode. So lots of fun. With all those member bonus episodes, just head to truestory.fm slash TNR membership. You can learn more about the tiers, and the most it'll cost you is $5 a month or $55 per year.
0: Oh, high school. That's fun. Welcome to Booksmart. The story... (laughs) Of two overachievers trying to jam four years of partying into one night, that one special night, the night before they graduate. Uh, that's book smart.
1: <laughs> I love the conceit of this film, and I think it works so well in that these two students, who are just incredibly studious, work hard to achieve great success, get into great schools then find out other people also got into great schools, the people who party all the time and stuff. And, and that line that uh, Annabelle oh. says to her in the bathroom, it's just like, we don't only we care don't about school. We don't
0: just care about yeah. school, yeah, right. And, and that, I, well, it's, it's the body line before it that I think really hits me hard, which is like, uh, I'm exceptionally good at, mm, uh, and I still got a 1560 on my SATs, right? Like, that is, uh, that this, this movie, to your point, this movie is full of crazy antics and then moments like this, like the bathroom scene that hit me straight in the chest.
1: Because you were Beanie? Were you? Were you? <laughs> that way.
0: What, what were you? Go ahead. Let's go ahead and open the vault. Fine. You want to do this? Let's do it. What, describe your parallel to Book Smart in your high school. Who were you?
1: I no, I was totally her. Well, no, I I, I, I take that back because I was not nearly the overachiever she was, mm-hmm. but I certainly was the 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 goody goody. Like you know, I um would not have gotten into trouble i mean i i went to some parties and stuff but you know i was a theater nerd and i went i went to the theater nerd parties that we see in this film that was me i wasn't going to the cool kid parties so um but i i didn't feel like i had been left out like i didn't feel like i i worked hard to succeed to get good grades and didn't end up having any fun because of that you know
0: yeah i um i also was a theater nerd um and i was i think it's safe to say i was the socially awkward guy at the theater nerd parties
1: like that <laughs> yeah that... <laughs> well yeah i was a, i was a tech guy i yeah. wasn't an actor i was yeah. a theater nerd and a tech guy and that puts us into yeah. a whole other group of theater A whole
0: nerds. different group yeah yeah yep. we're not the actors we're not the
1: cool actors <laughs>
0: You were we called you the PIBS, right? At our school, the people in black.
1: Oh, really? Um, we we were just the, yeah. the, We were the tech nerds, is what pretty much we were called.
0: Hmm. I prefer an acronym. Yeah. And the tins you could have been a tin tech nerd.
1: <laughs> Although I will say I did I did cross the line in my senior year to act in some of the the one act plays and stuff just so I could get my letter faster.
0: Sure, got to get got to get the letter. Yeah. That's, I that's I ended great. up. um this was, I, I think, that's one of the reasons. Like, I, I wrote in my notes, like, this is my high, I, I, my high school experience was nothing like th- this, and yet it feels so familiar. And I, I think, in that regard, maybe it was like this. Like, I, I, I felt like, even though I was an actor, I was in every play and ended up as the that we we started the drama club while I was there, and I was the first president of the drama club, which is mostly because like everybody else backed up when they were calling you know who wants to be the president of the drama club it was no election it was just pete didn't move fast enough to get out of the way and ended up being being tapped to be the president of the drama club i was i did all that stuff on stage but i was incredibly socially awkward like isolationist like um had that sort of weird anxiety that made me more of an extrovert in social activities but never connected with anybody so i felt like i was completely unknown at at high school. Like, I feel like going to my reunions today, I'd be the guy nobody would know who I was. Like, <laughs> w- did you go here? Did you, were you a, a part of this school? Uh, I also thought it was uh, incredibly astute writing to capture so many of these other stereotypes in this movie that felt so natural. I could name for you our Jared at my high school with the gold chains, like, doing some of the same stuff. Like, completely over exaggerating his extroversion because he doesn't know how to be who he is yet in high school. And I uh, Skylar uh, Gisondo Gisando don't know, but he is so perfect in in this role. These like secondary characters are so well portrayed and so well cast in this movie. It made me feel right at home in this high school experience.
1: He was he's one of my favorites and One of my favorites in Licorice Pizza, too. Like, he's one of those faces that I I instantly now just fall in love with as soon as I see him because I I, he just is such an interesting character. And this character that he plays in this film is just he's a lot of fun. You
0: remember him in vacation, though? He was he he was he was their older brother. Oh, and he was the woke older brother in the new vacation and he was so sensitive that his younger brother <laughs> picks on him mercilessly and uh, uh he is he's incredible he's just incredible at being that character and the younger brother who's like the picking on him is is so so ridiculous they're in the back seat and he's like swooning with the girl and the younger brother puts a plastic bag over his head and tries to choke him out like just awful anyway go see him in this in his all of these performances he's just such a great comedic
1: actor yeah so big
0: is. big ups big ups
1: for skylar yeah he's great uh i mean they're all such unique characters and they're fun like billy lord's Gigi is just such a yeah. bizarre element that kind of pops up randomly throughout the film, but it's just, it's, it is that weird presence that, you know, there's always just kind of that, that weird person who's always just kind of lurking around and everything. And, and so that's what I I love about it. And to your point, yeah, they, they create such, you know, they, they have all of the stereotypes that we all had throughout high school, but they make them all feel real and different in ways that uh, works in exciting ways. Like, you know, I feel like I've seen all these stereotypes, but not necessarily the way they're uh, completely portrayed here.
0: I, I I think that's true. And I think the the general aesthetic of the of the setting here that high school is war that we're going to say all of these kids are going through every day. They have to like arm themselves for battle. Uh, I I think I found really touching because it underscores in this sort of uh, outsized fashion The complexity of life as a high school student, that it's terrifying, that you have to protect yourself around every corner. Uh, and you also have to stay on top of your, you know, your academics and your grades and that they, that this high school is so crazy all the time. And yet everybody that we meet ends up being a a top high performing student. And so some of this movie is an exercise in how they are able to uh, balance the, all of these different forces. And and so that's where we meet Molly and Amy, which is they realize only sort of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, too late that they have not been living in balance at all. And, you know, we see kids who have balanced the other direction and we see Molly and Amy who are, are super conservative in the way they approach their their academics and their aspirations outside of high school. And they're trying to rectify that and find a way to, to, swing the pendulum back the other way. That's what creates the sort of ideological conflict in this movie, and that's what creates the humor.
1: Well, and you get Miss Fine, too, which is an interesting oh, uh, right. b- contrast character for them because, you know, they, they end up calling her as their, as the emergency ride, like a pickup, to because their phone's about to die, they need to ride, and it's the last, last person that they get a chance to call, and it's Miss Fine because they just plugged her number into their phone. And she comes and picks them up and has this conversation with them as she's taking them to the party. About the fact that, um, you know, she is glad they're going out to the party because, you know, when she was in school, she was just like them. And then when she was in college, she says she completely flipped the other way to the point where it sounded like there were times where she almost wasn't going to make it and she pulled herself through it. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of compare and contrast when you look at a character like that. And I mean, obviously she's making some interesting choices of her own when she connects with that, uh, the perpetual student who's 20 years old and finally graduating. But, you know, it's, that's an interesting character to also put in as somebody else to look at as a potential route that they could have ended up going down a uh, path for them.
0: And we should say uh Miss Fine is uh, played by the wonderfully talented Jessica Williams. Uh who I think she's very very funny. Met her on uh as a contributor to the Daily Show uh back in the day and uh, she has gone on to be very very busy. See her most recently in Fantastic Beasts the Secret of Dumbledore.
1: She's in the last opened. two of those. Yep, the last two. So, and Hot Tub Time Machine 2. Yes.
0: Which has <laughs> some issues.
1: <laughs> I, d- I never saw the second one, but oh, yeah, you gotta see the second one. <laughs> hey, do some things, mm, awkward. Hey, some you know, awkward. It's a franchise. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Know what I mean? Know what <laughs> I mean? Felt as good as a wink to a blind bat,
0: eh? Anyway, <laughs> I love that. How Jessica Fine, I'm not gonna take the bait, I'm not taking the bait. Uh, I, I love how uh, fine. Jessica Fine. Miss Fine, Miss Miss <laughs> Fine, Jessica Williams. Fine, uh, she is dealing with her own awkwardness, and the the you know after she hooks up with uh, the student uh, the night before graduation, and has her uh, sort of realization when she runs into him the next day that it was just a one night thing, and she made a mistake. Um, it, I'm I'm assuming I'm reading that she made a mistake in that in that scene at the um, graduation. Maybe at yeah, the graduation yeah um that not not necessarily that she might never do that again uh and but certainly that it was a mistake in that incident um uh, and uh just as as a reflection on you know what there are you, adults are dealing with very much the same sort of complexities that that these kids are it's it just you know is wrapped in a different bow
1: see i that's interesting because i I think there's something to that i except I read it as. She doesn't realize that there's uh, an issue there until she, in, in, the, in what she thinks is his ear at graduation, only to realize, oh, it's actually a girl. And that's what, like, breaks her out of it, right? She snaps out of it. Yeah. So it took that moment for her to snap out of it. And then when he sees her at the graduation, yeah, I think that you're right. But it's, I, I think that she hadn't, that spell hadn't been broken until that moment.
0: I, I think that 's a good point, and I wonder if because we obviously we can 't armchair this but i I wonder how it would have been written had she had that same realization without having the in the ear to the girl in the in the audience that's that 's an interesting point yeah um, so but but I really like her character, I like what she represents as somebody who's who 's really struggling also to grow up right? These kids are struggling to grow up from one side, and she's struggling to grow up on the other.
1: Well, and I, I, as a character, it's very interesting, you know, that she is in this place where, as she said, you know, she was them when she was in high school. And so she is still trying to figure herself out. Like, what's the path yeah, for her? She's still them. Still them. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, the the parent or the adults and the students are, are fairly interesting. I mean, we have You know, um, um, Amy's parents, Charmaine and Doug, played uh, in such small parts but very fun, Lisa Kudrow and Will Forte. Some of the funniest scenes in the movie are the interactions that the four of them have. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, we have them as a pair. And really, it's just supportive parent role that we have there. You have the principal. I think they're in two scenes. Yeah, just two scenes. Uh, Jason Sudeikis as the principal um, in a few scenes. And he's generally pretty funny. But it's, it's it's more the interaction with his students and then the awkward interaction later when... He picks them up as a Lyft driver without real with none of them realizing the other is the other party until they're all in the car together. And then they have to share this awkward ride when they're playing they accidentally play porn over the stereo. It's just one of the funniest <laughs> things ever. Oh, my God. So, um,
0: I mean, ha- who who hasn't that
1: happened to? Am I right? <laughs> am true. I right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but that's so as, as far as adults go, we don't get a lot of actual adult complexity. With the adult characters, they're fairly straightforward, except for Miss Fine. She's the one who actually is given a little bit more of a story, and it's interesting, I think, in in comparison as a, an interesting comparison character with Molly and Amy and kind of their journey that they're going on here.
0: I, I like to think that she's the avatar of mistakes that they risk making as being high performers. When she says, "You know, we're," I was, I was, you guys, you know, let me give you my cell, and they're so excited. Um, it, it's all because even to the point where she's like, "I'll see you in the party."
1: Just kidding. But wouldn't yeah, it be weird? Right. And then she <laughs> just go. kidding.
0: That would be weird, wouldn't it? Like she's asking. She's really asking, not saying. And that's that's important. And I think that's a that's a performative twist that I think really works. But the the whole idea that that Amy and, and Molly need to rec- recognize in this film that they don't want to be her and they need to to figure out, like, what is their path so that they don't end up, you know, still struggling with the stuff that. Is Fine is clearly still struggling with.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff to kind of explore there. and And that's something the film does really well in the way that we are introduced to characters and then we find out that there's actually more to these characters as we learn, like like Annabelle, AKA AAA, as she makes sure she doesn't want to be known by. Uh, but we, when we first meet her earlier in the film, uh, I think we see her first flirting with Nick, and then she's one of the people in the conversation in the bathroom and finds out, oh, I'm also going to Yale. And that whole conversation and how she did so great on the, on the SATs and all this sort of stuff, only to then have Her be the person who picks up uh, Molly after the police raid the party, and they actually have that conversation in the car, and you realize she's just a person, too. And this is something that I think is – it's a valuable thing to include in these coming-of-age-slash-high-school sorts of stories because it is so easy to play the – the archetypes of the different types of high school characters. But when you start realizing, you know, there's a little bit more to each of these people, that's what makes it really interesting. And, and, and having Molly and Annabelle have that conversation in the car and just kind of click and connect and, and, you know, learn that there's more to Annabelle than, than what they had thought before and and we get that we get that with um with jared and it's, it's it's kind of all through it
0: i i that that conversation you're talking about at the end this is the conversation with molly and annabelle where she she says you know in a callback to an earlier scene she says please don't call me triple a when we're at school together when we're at yale and that is that is a direct callback to the scene in the bathroom where she says you know next year at yale i'm I'm probably going to pretend I don't know you, right? Some Something to that effect. And so here we have this admission that she too has been struggling with some things. And that, in fact, we got to stick together vibe is is pretty rich in this scene. That she's scared to go to Yale. That's what I get out of this sequence. That she's scared to go to Yale. She's scared to, to leave this thing that she, um, you know, that she has come to be known as this identity that she has in high school. And, you know, she's she's in a position where she gets to choose how she is perceived. I think that's a that's an angle that is important in these coming-of-age films, like when you realize that you have agency in your identity, and she is describing to Molly, this is who I want to be, and I need your help to get there. I can't do it alone.
1: It's touching and powerful, and that's the sort of moment that that I love seeing in a film like this. And and same thing with Jared when that when, you know, he has that conversation with her about like, do people really think that I, you know, had sex with a or that my dad oh. hired a, a, a prostitute for me when I was young? Yeah, that was hard. And it's it, and that's the sort of stuff that really like people have these sorts of. Like, I, I, there were so many things that you thought about people when you were in junior high or high school just because people had told you that without necessarily ever figuring out, did that really happen? Yeah. Like, you know, I think back to that, I'm like, there, there are still questions I have about some people back then. And I'm like, I wonder if that was real or is that one of these things that is completely yeah. fictionalized that I just never knew?
0: And do you ever stop and wonder? what did they think about me?
1: Right. Like
0: who, what was the equivalent of Andy having sex with a prostitute on his birthday in your high school?
1: (laughs) It probably was that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure.
0: (laughs) I'm sure.
1: Yeah. No, God, I hope not. That would be horrible. Yeah. Can you imagine?
0: Ugh okay uh last uh last minor scene and narrative question I have for you how well does the uh the strangler conversation and attempted mugging by the girls of the pizza delivery guy who happens to be a criminal work for you
1: uh the well the uh, <laughs> it's very funny I love the way that that scene plays uh because he seems like the smart person in the car. And actually, I'll tell you, there were, and this is so funny how much stuff like comes from high school, like re- reality. Like I had, there were two girls in my high school who did hitchhike. They went on, they, they were trying to get to a store or something. And this whole thing went <laughs> around the school like wildfire after this happened, because they got in this car with this guy who who pulled a gun out on them and told them, I could be a serial killer. I could take you out to the woods and kill you and you would no one would ever hear from you again. Don't ever hitchhike again. And told them to get out of the car. And they flipped. And that was that was something that happened to these two girls in my school. And so when I see this scene happen I'm like, yep. There's there are there are smart <laughs> adults who help dumb kids out. Yeah. And so when I saw that scene, I'm like, oh, this is totally like, I can see this actually happening. The fact that we get that interesting callback later, and it's it's it becomes a tool to allow uh, Molly to help Amy get out of jail, I found to be kind of a fun twist on that. So I I don't know, I think it ended up being a, a fun way to kind of um, have that play out.
0: I think in a in a less sort of clever movie that would have been a uh, something to complain about. The movie is overall so clever, and I so want to see how um, how they resolve the graduation ceremony. Uh, and I find the the race across town, the nineteen minute race they need to do in seven in Jared's uh, Trans Am, <laughs> this? so rewarding to me, just energetic and fun and loud and exciting. And I love the slow motion, uh, which is just uh, well used. Uh, we need to come back and talk about all of the slow motion um, that it it works for me as a tool to move the third act really forward, right? To To resolve that complication of her being arrested easily yeah. in a way that's pretty believable. Like, right. 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 It, it's kind of, you know, doylist in, in the way it works. Like it it's a little bit easy on on behalf of just sort of writing their way out of a out of a, you know, hard corner. Um, but yeah, right, right. It is the fantasy of the film.
1: It is. and And because of that, it works really well. Like it's it is one of those things that is such an easy out. Like it is so easy. Like, how are they gonna get her out of jail? Like that in time for graduation, like that's just not gonna happen. Her parents are gonna to have to show up. And of course, the parents never are involved in that at all, which is so strange. Yeah. In fact, it's I also thought it was weird at the graduation. It's like only students in caps and gowns in the audience. There's no parents anywhere. Well but whatever. That
0: was they were there are, there are. In the if in there's one reverse shot where you can see that way in the back there's a stadium and it's super awkward
1: oh wow okay. uh, because
0: they're so far away but there is so there are risers okay. in the background I, that 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 are, that. That are I was
1: only looking at the f- students filled. on the ground but yeah yeah uh, it's it is um so to, yeah but back to that point it's it works really well because of the way the story is building and because we have this energy and because we have molly as this this smart person as as they say you know let's do what we do best homework uh, when they go to try tracking down the party and stuff like that like they're they're very smart people and they use their smarts in this moment to say hey we've got information on this guy to get her out of jail it works well
0: yeah um back to the slow motion briefly in terms of the look of the film and the cinematography is with Jason McCormick. And uh, it's, it's very, very good. One of the things I, I find myself really attracted to in this movie is the way they use slow motion for the comedy. There are a couple of great beats and one of them is at the party when everybody gets into the swimming pool. Um, and she is, uh, this, I'm talking about Amy now, she strips down uh, to her underwear and she jumps in the pool. And once she jumps in the pool, everything goes into slow motion, right? It's, it's this sort of just slowed down world and all the bodies under the water are incredibly elegant looking and uh, beautiful. Like it's just a beautiful use of just swimming through water and you see these legs kicking and they're just, everything looks, looks otherworldly and uh, she comes up above the water and everything's back to normal speed. And uh, it's, it goes from this sort of beautiful, like protected universe of, of, awesomeness to incredibly awkward this is what people look like when they're wet and cold and and you know moving at normal speed again and it They do the same sort of bit during the chase scene that we're talking about at the end in the Trans Am, where things are moving really slowly and wonderfully, and then they start moving really fast. And it's like the jarring visual conflict that happens between slow and fast tells a story in and of itself. And I think it's a really smart way to shoot, cut and direct this movie uh, using using the frame for for comedy and emotion. And uh, I, I think it just it really works.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think there are—I'm trying to think of where else it's used. I don't think it's used much else other than those two spots, right?
0: Yeah, those are the two big spots, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I like it. And, uh, you know, uh, well, (laughs) except for the fantastic water balloon— Credits moment, which is uh, just, the credits are amazing, brilliant. But yeah, that's that's another really fun, yeah, um, use of slow mo in here. Um, but I, I think that I mean, it, it the the way that the camera moves and lives feels as alive as everything else in the film. It's it, there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of movement, a lot of, um, just smart ways to frame and everything. Like, it, it I mean, it's nothing overly like. Um, Edgar Wright complex or anything like that or or, or sorts of stuff, but Olivia Wilde, you know, I mean she she's making a film that has energy and and feels alive. The music, the the way that people are moving within the frame, everything has that energy, and so I think that it's it's doing the job that it it meant to do. And so when you do have those moments that that drop into slow mo, um, I, I think it fits and it feels very. Makes those moments stand out as kind of those highlight moments. Um, You know, I feel like there's another moment when, and maybe I'm wrong, but when Molly is looking when she's walking around the party and she's trying to find Nick um, after she and um, and Amy have had their fight and like she's this is her moment to find him and she she walks into the kitchen and sees him and uh, Ryan making out and i feel like it's another snap out and that's something that wild does throughout the film it's like she has these moments where the snap in and snap out of those moments play really well like we also have when they walk into the party and nick sees her and all of a sudden it's just the two of them and it's this musical and they're dancing and doing this fantastically choreographed very strange dance of romance and then it just snaps out incredibly fast and and so like she snaps into the slow-mo, just like she snaps into those moments. And, and so she finds ways to tell the story uh, that make it very alive and fun and, and as energetic as the music, as the acting, as everything else going on here.
0: I, you know, visually the, the sort of protagonist central frame, the, um, what is it? The follow camera, the reverse shots, like looking behind the character's head, some of these, the, the, some of these sequences, these otherworldly sequences, you can tell that Olivia Wilde loves like Wes Anderson, you know, like there's some, some of that visual cleverness that, um, you know, you brought up Edgar Wright too. It's not quite as, sophisticated cleverness as as edgar wright Uh, and uh, i don't mean that at all to sort of diminish olivia wilde but i just edgar wright i think may take much more um uh pride in the complexity of his cleverness uh but um you know i i feel that there are a lot of sort of elements in this movie that are um could be seen as homage just to wes anderson type stuff
1: yeah i mean you have a a drug dream where they wake up as as barbie dolls you know i mean yeah uh, yeah i guess i could see kind of that the touch of wes anderson kind of uh formalism Spike jones yeah like, uh, to spike jones right there's something about that 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 fits within the context of the way that they tell this story so yeah right yeah well we should talk about sex and friendship sex and friendship let's talk about sex and friendship
0: Two sides, same coin. Uh, she's got this, uh, Molly and Amy have this incredible uh, uh, friendship together. They have been uh, friends for a long time. They make their plans together. And... Um they then uh, have to deal with the uh, evolution of their friendship as as their lives change around them. And I think that's a, a really sort of powerful uh, change, right? Exploration of change. And it's something that, you know, sort of happens in high school. I don't think you notice it maybe as much in elementary school, middle school, but uh, as these friendships become stronger and less frequent, uh, it it is hard to to assess how the change of losing somebody in your life day to day is going to impact your day to day. And I find that a really powerful exploration in the relationship between Molly and Amy. Um, and you can sort of see it at work in the in the environment around them, right? The textures of these of the skateboard guys and uh, the other girls in the movie who don't quite come across as mean girls you know that we don't have this any sort of hardcore clicks in the movie um it it really to me is just a an exploration of change and we're focusing on molly and amy because their relationship and their characters are so unique but everybody is dealing with this what's going to happen next thing and um and and you know that is something that keeps happening throughout your life. It just keeps getting harder. Uh, so I, I really like the the way the microscope focuses on these girls and their friendship, the dissolution of their friendship. Now, on the other side of that, we have particularly Amy exploring uh, her sexuality, that she came out as a lesbian two years ago and still had not kissed a girl. That's sort of the premise of her sexual arc in this movie. And leads us to the party and one of the most Stomach churning, not to lean too hard in on the moment. Uh, sequences of sexual awakening uh, that I, I've seen. This is a it's a tough one to watch. It's a tougher one to watch again.
1: <laughs> well, anytime someone throws up on another person, it is a little challenging. <laughs> a little challenging to watch. That's uh, a little. There's a little bit. Yeah. There's a little bit of stuff going it on there. But but until that moment, it's actually very sweet. Like there's yeah. There's this moment where she connects with the last person she would have expected that she was going to be connecting with and like with hope who's kind of this who's always a jerk and just never is uh, never says kind things and and just doesn't seem like somebody who has any interest in connecting at all and uh is you know making fun of her in the bathroom when she's crying and, and but all of a sudden it turns into something and they realize hey i'm into you and it turns into this this moment of like uh, you know excitement and passion and everything only to have you know a moment of embarrassment happen because again she's she's new to this and that's very funny the way it plays out and of course it just gets grosser and grosser as you pointed out because of what happens and
0: oh uh, yeah i don't know what it is so at at some point in the middle there there well okay first point i think this movie does an excellent job of capturing how stupid First hookups are right how awkward and uncomfortable and hard they are uh because i they are general <laughs> i'll speak broadly but i shouldn't they're they're much more awkward than they are usually depicted in film and even in i think coming of age films i think there there are there are more that are sort of smooth kind of experiences uh, than there probably should be depicted in film. And this one, I think, really leans in on the fact that it's hard and clumsy. And you know what? Getting jeans off and undoing Converse High Stars or All-Star High Tops is time-consuming and awkward and clumsy. And then Amy picks up a cup that I think, what what's in it? Is it like a spent cigarette butt or, or something? Yeah.
1: At first, I thought it was um, spit, but um, uh, like from Chew. But my wife, yeah, she's like, there's a cigarette butt in it, is what she said. Okay.
0: It's awful. And she puts it in her mouth, and that triggers her to vomit, and she vomits all over. um, All over Hope. All over Hope. And that creates uh, an awkward situation. But it is ultimately redeemed at the end. When they get past their awkwardness, uh, Hope comes over to her house and talks to her. And... Uh, it's very, very charming. So I really love that scene for as as funny and gross as it is on the surface. It's actually telling a, a pretty interesting story.
1: Well, I think so. And and I mean, following up on kind of all the friendship element of the story, I think it's an incredibly important evolution that we have. I mean, it, there's a little bit of a dissolution of the friendship at the party right, right before she ends up hooking up with Hope. You know, Molly and Amy have that huge blow up, which is you know, was inevitable. It was going to happen at some point, And they finally have it. Unfortunately, it's at the party where everyone pulls out their phones and films it because, you know, that's what people right. do nowadays. Hey, I'm yeah. going to totally film this and put it up on social media somewhere for everyone to look at. That's the reality. And there they have this big blow up. They um, uh, because Molly is very uh, steamrolls over everything that Amy wants and really kind of designs the plans for the two of them and amy finally has has you know crossed that line and um and and it it's a powerful moment and then what's great about that is they do find a way through it and at the end i mean you've got that fantastic moment where they're leaving the airport you know it's the 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 goodbye moment that we have between the two of them which is a big sign of the growth of their friendship like this is the next step of our friendship and we're going to have to figure out what does friendship mean after this point you're going to be gone in africa for a year i'm off to yale we're going to have all new friendships you know what's what's next who knows and every friendship goes through that they all find this 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 you know, fork in the road where all of a sudden things shift because you're now on a different path and they're now on a different path and, and friendships continue, but they're different. And it happens to every, every single person. And, you know, I, I just love that moment between the two of them because it it speaks so much to them figuring out how to grow, but then also that very last beat of saying, you know what? I still want to hang out. Let's just let's just hang out for a little more. Let's go get some pancakes. I lo- like I love that. It's just it's a perfect way to kind of um, you know have their friendship kind of like that last little hurrah. I love it.
0: Well, and the way they use the title card in that movie or in that scene, right, as they're yelling at each other. Yes, I absolutely want to go get pancakes. Hard cut to giant title book smart. Um, I, I think worked <laughs> worked really well as a way to just slam you back into uh, your world outside of the movie i thought it was great yeah great
1: great 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 yep yeah yeah. we talked about all the actors what do you, let's talk about the actors beanie feldstein caitlin dever as our two leads
0: oh we haven't talked about those two
1: yes we have not we have not well i love them you said what you said last week at the end of the show that uh what beanie just got into or she's going to be playing um the lead in funny girl is that what you said the broadway she revival is
0: on broadway Currently revival on, yes yeah. she's playing it is opening, um, it, it's opening uh, on uh, Broadway, I think later this. Month. Actually,
1: it will have opened by the time by the time people listen to this. Out, yes, yeah. it
0: it will have opened, so it's brand new. She is uh, so a wonderful interview with her about how much she's you know Barbara Streisand has been her idol at, for you know since she was a little girl. She her first birthday party that she remembers. She it was a costume party of of uh, Mar- a funny girl, and so she's been celebrating this all her life. So that she gets the nod for the revival is is a really sweet sort of. <laughs> her own sort of professional coming of age um and she got pipes uh she sounds just great in the part uh, so um excited for her it was fun to see her she's also um you know uh, Jonah Hill's uh, sister and uh they have you know what a what an amazing sibling relationship to be both such incredibly naturally funny people and to pull off such funny scripts
1: and it's interesting because they're they're not like Jesse Eisenberg and his sister, where I'm convinced they're the one and the same. Because once his sister disappeared, he appeared on the scene. I think they're the same person. Well, Whereas at least I, I feel know, like Jonah I and Beanie are different people.
0: That's really funny. Have you ever um, seen her since? No. 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 Exactly. You're right. No, I mean, I, I guess you have a point. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to work around what that point is. <laughs> yes i know it, it'll, take some time. it'll take some time it'll take a little You'll time all right so i think uh and so yeah, yeah so that's beanie ahead. yeah that's beanie and and uh caitlin deaver is uh also is it deaver, uh, or deaver? About, i thought it was Dever. i th- I thought it was i thought it was deaver but i am notoriously bad at pronouncing names so uh if that means it's probably Dever. yeah she probably likes
1: know. you saying Dever.
0: well she does yeah I mean, when we talk, but we don't really use our last names with each other. She doesn't call me Pete, right?
1: (laughs) Well, we did. We talked about her in our laggies episode um, Mm -hmm. back when we were doing our uh, Lynn Shelton series. And I mean, she certainly has. And she was in Detroit, another film that we talked about on the film board. I um, have. Gosh, what else have I seen her in? Um, Not much. Spectacular now. Short term. Twelve uh i guess that's spectacular
0: it. now she's oh, great outside um, in. She she's also an
1: outside in another Lynn she's Shelton, an outside yeah, in that we loved yep
0: and she was in uh dear evan hansen she plays zoe murphy um uh and uh the sister of the uh deceased connor murphy and it is she's got some great 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 musical numbers uh n- not a so she also
1: got pipes huh
0: yeah she, yeah yeah Got pipes, so uh, very impressive musical talent in both of these women. Um, Interesting. So uh, that is that was really cool, and you get a little taste of that at the karaoke, uh, but not not enough for my taste. I like I like their singings. Uh, but I think together they are really terrific and and they did not know each other. Uh, they had seen each other apparently at a film festival but prior to uh, being cast. They had uh, apparently Amy had been cast in this thing for like four years before they figured out how to move it forward and cast uh beanie as molly and once they did uh, you know apparently their their uh, on-screen charisma is very much in line with their off-screen charisma watching them interviewed together is is like watching amy and molly they're very they're just really adorable together
1: yeah and they they feel like they've known each other which is sometimes hard to pull off but they do it really well like i feel like there's a real relationship between these two that's been going on so it's awesome
0: interestingly it was beanie and um molly gordon pl- who plays triple a who have known each other for the longest time uh, they apparently have known each other for more than a decade and um molly gordon uh, she's a little bit older than uh, the other folks uh, the other kids in the movie uh, as as far as I know she was, let's see, she was born in 94. Um, not much. Oh, older, Beanie's but, 93. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's Caitlin's right. Caitlin's 96. Anyway, so, so yeah. they were, um, uh, they were friends. I can't remember what they were, if they were actually in something together. Um, let's see, she was in I Am Sam.
1: Well, Molly, we had, we saw in Life of the Party, which is, you know. Oh, that's right. Caves. Oh,
0: yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love it. My favorite. So, anyhow, uh. um, yeah it was great it was great she's really fantastic so i i think their charisma on screen is wonderful and they're they're very very talented along with i mean every one of these kids and you know i wanted to make a note every time i watch olivia wilde uh, interviewed about this thing she doubles down on credit to allison jones casting director for this movie allison jones is for olivia wilde a superhero she put together this cast, this sort of menu of these kids to play these kids uh, that just absolutely worked for her. And uh, I love just how uh, Olivia Wilde talks about Allison Jones. It is wonderful and adorable and professional and extraordinarily generous. Uh, I I haven't heard a director talk like that about Another casting director um, on a film, so maybe it's a maybe it's a sentiment that comes more naturally to a first-time director, and um, you know we'll see how that carries on. But she's she does
1: carry a lot of weight, well, especially because this. I mean, for a first film, this is there's a lot going on in here. Like there are a lot of characters, uh, a lot of locations, uh, you know, a lot of story threads to make sure you're cons- constantly weaving together effectively. This is not. A small first film, like Slums of Beverly Hills, which feels much more smaller and independent. Like, this is like a full high school, you know, you know thing going on, like all sorts of kids. Like, there's a lot happening in this film that makes it feel very big-budget Hollywood. Like, it feels like it just a, a movie movie. You don't look at this and go, oh, this is an independent first film.
0: No, that's very, very true. This This feels like a mature sort of mid-catalog film. Or a, a an incredibly talented director
1: we should say this was a uh, this was a script um, the original two writers Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins um, had written this and it was going around and it ended up on the blacklist of uh, 2009 so it had been around for a long time Susanna Vogel ended up um, getting attached to direct it and she reworked the script that's where all of a sudden Amy became a lesbian and so and she reworked the story so they're not Looking for boyfriends for prom. They're going to an after prom party. And then, event, and she, she fell off the project, Annapurna Pictures and Gloria Sanchez Productions. That's uh, Will Farrell and Adam McKay's company. They all came together to produce it. And that's where Susanna Vogel ended up um, getting let go. They brought on Olivia Wilde. Then they brought on Katie Silberman to do more rewrites, and so it ended. All four of them ended up getting credited. That doesn't always happen, but they all four got credit, so they all had a, a part in the shape of this particular story. But it sounds like Kate Silberman is the one who really connected with Olivia. Now, like the two of them, all of the projects that Olivia has coming up as a director, Kate's on or Katie's on as uh, as one of the writers, if not the writer. It's clear that. They all had a a vision of what it was going to be. But Olivia is the one who really kind of honed in on that and had Katie really um, kind of fine tune it to get exactly what we ended up with here.
0: Fascinating. One more little connection. Uh, Beanie Feldstein, I just uh, came up. Apparently she, how did I miss this? Was she in Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway with, uh, with Platt, Ben Platt? Uh, and, of course, we didn't talk about Feldstein and, and uh, Lady Bird. She was in Ladybird. So interesting. Uh, that connection, I just found this Vanity Fair article where they are high school soulmates. Ter- it says they're high school soulmates who made it to Broadway together. Apparently they went to high school together. Is that, tr- is that true? Anyway.
1: Who, Beanie and um, Molly?
0: No, Beanie and Ben Platt.
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Uh, so, much, so much scuttlebutt. So much scuttlebutt.
1: So hard to pin it all down. You know, their dad, uh, Beanie and Jonah's dad, was uh, a a tour accountant for Guns N' Roses. Say, that's some scuttlebutt. I'll bet (laughs) bet there's some news in there. (laughs) (laughs) Some interesting accounting uh, receipts coming through that they probably had to deal with, I'm sure. (laughs) To be a fly on the wall. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, uh, we will be right back, everybody. But first our credits.
0: The next reel is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson, music by Neon, featuring GRP, Oriole Novella, and Eli Catlin. Andy usually finds all the stats as for the awards and the numbers at d-numbers.com, boxofficemojo.com imdb.com, and wikipedia.org. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for our show. All right, Andy, how to do at award season.
1: This was, um, you know, very popular film when it came to awards. 29 wins with 61 other nominations. I mean, festivals all around, different critics, society were nominating it, giving it awards. It received a lot of praise, a lot of it for Best First Film, for Olivia Wilde. And, uh, you know, it, I think largely it just found an audience that really clicked with it. At the Independent Spirit Awards, Olivia Wilde and her team uh, won the Independent Spirit Award for Best First Feature which is fantastic at the glad media awards It won outstanding film on a wide release at the golden globes. Beanie Feldstein was nominated for best performance by an actress in a motion picture, musical or comedy. This is tricky. Um, between the two, would you, do you feel like both of them warranted it or do you feel like Beanie was the one you would pick or do you have a thought on that?
0: I don't know. That's hard. Yeah, I know. Um, I kind of stand with Beanie, but I'm conflicted.
1: I'm really conflicted because I feel like it's a Thelma and Louise sort of situation where I feel like the two of them are constantly balancing off each other. And I would want to see both of them in the race, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Beanie is the one who got it here. She was up against Aquafina for the farewell, and she's the one who won. Um, Anna de Armas in Knives Out, Kate Blanchett and Where'd You Go, Bernadette and Emma Thompson in Last Night. I would take Kate C- Blanchett out and I would, I would throw Devers in there. Yep, me too. Um, for Good, it. we solved it. We oh, solved it. What a relief. Doesn't matter. The Golden Globes are are dead.
0: <laughs> I know. Who cares about it?
1: Uh, the Golden <laughs> Schmoes <laughs> Awards, uh, one of the strange awards that we talk about from time to time. Um, it did get some nominations over here at the Golden Schmoes. It was nominated for Best Comedy of the Year, but lost to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It uh, lost for Biggest Surprise of the Year to Joker. Uh, The other nominees, Parasite, Knives Out, and Ready or Not. That's an interesting category. The biggest surprise of the year. I guess you weren't expecting it, and there it was. So, yeah. Uh, Breakthrough Performance of the Year. Again, Beanie Feldstein. No sign of uh, Caitlin Devers here um, for Breakthrough Performance. But Ana de Armas won for Knives Out. Most underrated movie of the year was nominated, but lost to Alita Battle Angel. Um, So, some interesting... Um, nominations that it had at the Golden Schmoes.
0: Was Alita Battle Angel nominated for anything else?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well now, now you ask, I'm very curious. Uh before we get to um, before I circle back to that, uh two other things I wanted to call it. South by Southwest, where it premiered, um it was nominated for headliners uh for Olivia Wilde uh, the audience award, but it lost to uh Long Shot, which uh, I'm not even sure what that is. Long shot. Yeah. 2019. Um, oh, let's see. Uh, Charlize Theron, Seth Rogen. Oh, oh, that's oh. the one where she's the, um, she's running for president and he, she hires, yeah. the, he, she was like his high school sweetheart or something and hires him to be the, the speechwriter.
0: Yeah. Something like that. I don't, Interesting. I didn't see it.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, it was not ready for that last, but not least at the writer's guild of America, It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which is fantastic, Uh, but it didn't end up winning that. That ended up losing to Parasite. Okay. Oh, hard to argue, that one. Very hard to argue, that one. Um, Now, we were circling back to, um, what were we circling back to? Alita Battle Angel, you wanted to find out about, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I said it sort
1: of sarcastically, but here we are. Yeah, you said it sarcastically, but you said it in a way where I'm not going to let it go. Um, No, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Alita Battle Angel... Uh, had 10 wins, 25 other nominations. It was nominated for Best Science Fiction Film at the Saturn Awards. Oh, once again, back to our Saturn Saturn Awards Future Series. That's right. It won uh, Feature Film VFX. It won the Silver Award uh, at the AEAF Awards. Um, uh, Outstanding Achievement for Character Animation and Live Action Production. It was nominated at the Annie Awards. So,
0: you know, I mean, it had, yeah, it had its, got uh, on. it was, I, I actually think that it's, a, you know, most, uh, under or underrated, whatever that was, the surprise, Hey, this was a surprise to me award, yeah. uh, is most is underrated movie yeah. right on. I mean, I, I think it was, um, and it's got some beautiful stuff going on in it, but,
1: um, yeah, it just I kind of forgot it. It was like, designed to have an immediate sequel, like following in six months and yeah. it never was good enough to get that and so i think if you're gonna if you're gonna play that game you have to convince the studio ahead of time that we're gonna make two films yeah, at once for the price of one or something yeah. and they didn't and so it it's like half a movie and then it ends and it's like oh okay well that's all we get here it was a weird yeah, one yeah
0: I, I think that that is what makes it feel imminently forgettable uh interesting okay well so back to Booksmart. how to do at the box office
1: Well, Wilde's first dip into film directing cost a cool $6 million, which, you know, it's about the same in today's dollars, honestly. The movie debuted at South by Southwest, as I said, in April 2019 before its limited release starting May 24th, 2019, opposite the live-action Aladdin remake and Brightburn. This film opened in the top 10, where it actually stayed for two weeks eventually earning almost $22.7 million domestically and almost $2.3 million internationally for a total gross of almost $25 million in today's dollars. That gives the film an adjusted profit per finished minute of 186000 making Wild's film a great success. But I want to say this because this is something that uh, when the film was released, it didn't break out as quickly as people thought it should have because it got such uh, critical praise. J.J. Abrams actually said, When you have a movie that's as entertaining, well-made, and well-received as Booksmart, not doing the business it should have, it really makes you realize that the typical Darwinian fight to survive is completely lopsided now. Everyone's trying to figure out how we protect the smaller films that aren't four-quadrant mega-releases. Can they exist in the cinema? And I think that's a really interesting perspective, because... The film was a box office success. I mean, again, I don't know if if there's prints and advertising money that obviously might have cut that to the point where they weren't making any money. But still, it does make you wonder, what does it take these days to actually be a successful film at the box office, especially now, post-COVID, you know, it's, I mean, it's, where are things going to go? Like, is this, is a film like this going to eventually just be a straight to Netflix sort of release?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's totally changed the, the, uh, the sort of cultural expectation of these movies, let alone the box office e- economics, right? Like, I, it, would, I, I, how quick would you have been to just s- scroll past this and, you know, click play on Netflix?
1: Well, see, the problem that with me, I, I'm, I'm the worst example of of somebody for streaming services because i never I know. just scroll on them and just find to find something like i'm not a channel flipper i mean that's my equivalent is a channel flipper just scrolling until i find something yeah i use stuff like Letterboxed uh, and just watch to fi- figure out what i want to watch and where and then i just go to that place search for it and watch it so I'm not, You're
0: anathema to the algorithm. I know,
1: I break you it. You really do.
0: You stand up to the algorithm is what you do yeah. every day. You still
1: need that shirt. to stand up to the algorithm. Fighting the good fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> L's to okay. the, yeah. All right. Well, this was a fantastic film. I am so glad that we had a chance to talk about it on the show, and I'm so glad that we ended this uh, fantastic series, the coming-of-age debuts series um, with this film, which to me is just, I mean, this is one of my favorites. I mean, my wife told me this morning we were talking about it again and she's like this it's it's up there. It's like uh, like I think she's telling me like this is in her top 10 films of all time. She loves this film.
0: No kidding. Intensely. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: I mean it's oh, I'm excited. Yeah, so good. It's such a great film. I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk about it. Okay, me too. So All right. Well, we will be right back for our ratings, but first, here's the trailer for next week's movie which kicks off an all new series of sports films, Love and Basketball. Can I play? All right. You and Kelvin. Against me and Jamal. Oh man. He's a girl. Hey, girls can't play no ball. Ball better than you. I'm going to be the first girl in the NBA. No, I'm going to be in the NBA. You're going to be my children. In-
0: They play the same game.
1: If you don't start a bad attitude, no one's going to recruit you. I'm a ball player.
0: With a jacked up attitude. They share the same dream. You'd love for him to play USC like you did, right? No, I'd love for him to get a good education. I don't know why I keep hoping you'll grow out of this tomboy thing. I won't, I'm a lesbian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Yo, you don't look half bad. You either. How about a little one-on-one? What are we playing for? I score, you strip. Take it off. Take it off. Ah! Strip. All love and basketball, baby. There's only one way to be successful at anything, and that is to give everything. Coach has us on 11 o'clock curfew. I can stay a few more minutes. I'm sweating. I'm sorry. I don't have it easy like you are, right? There's no red carpet laid out for me. Ain't no way some soft freshman is taking my spot. Uh, Monica, I'm moving. You forgot to be there. If I stayed, I wouldn't be stark. Well, at least you got your priorities straight. Look, I'm into a in draft. I'm going pro. So that's it. Just forget about you and me.
0: New Line Cinema presents a story about the passion it takes I never knew anyone love ball as much as you to keep your dreams alive I've loved you since I was 11, and it just won't go away This spring I'll play you, one game, one-on-one For what? Your heart All's Fair in Love and Basketball All right, Andy. It's letterbox time. What are you going to do?
1: Well, if you hadn't seen it already, um, I had when I first saw this, uh, instantly fell in love. Five stars and a heart. And on rewatch, um, still five stars and a heart. Absolutely love it. This to me was just a spot on perfect coming of age film. Despite the fact that I've never seen high school hallways actually behave the way that these high school hallways do, I give it I give it its fantasy credit for for doing that because you know it's a little. A little fantastic but hey it's okay it's it's fine
0: me too me too that is I, i'm I'm exactly with you and it is uh it, it is growing in my esteem book smart I really enjoyed watching this with the family and uh even even the awkward parts uh were more fun than anything else it was just really great sweet sensitive and that's book smart five star heart
1: hard it up so you did watch this with the family though this you did watch this oh, yeah. with your son
0: not only did i watch this with my son i watched this with my daughter in in her college dorm room at the same time all four of us watched it together oh my and were actively texting about the movie as we were going through it and uh to her credit she wrote what what kinds of things um the pool scene is sad oh my god bathroom uh those kinds of things (laughs) (laughs) Uh, did she
1: say oh underwear parties i go to those all the time (laughs) that's when you're like "Uh uh-oh i gotta say i don't think underwear parties were a thing when we were in high school like i feel like it was that music video that came out like i don't know 10 years ago or something where all of a sudden everyone was dancing around in their underwear i'm like was that the start of underwear parties
0: i don't know i that was totally news to me underwear parties
1: no, it, was a, it was a big thing here at ASU, which is a notorious party school, you know, down where I am. Uh, that was a whole thing.
0: And now underwear parties are a real thing, not just a movie thing?
1: Oh, no, no. It's it's like the thing. It's like you go to your party and you make sure you're wearing the best underwear you have. Because as soon as you get there, you take your clothes off and you're partying in your underwear. Huh. Yeah. I missed that in, <laughs> in high school, apparently. And college. I, I missed that period. Yeah. That was something. Like... Never something. What was the music video where they... Um, uh, it's such a great song. Oh, Jimmy eats world. Oh my god. Yeah, it's uh It's the middle. That song.
0: That's a, that's an underwear party. Yeah.
1: yeah, watch the video. They are they are they're performing in a like a frat house and everybody's dancing around in their underwear. Really?
0: They are. Look at them. Yeah. They're actually dancing around in their underwear. That is totally news to me.
1: No, that's the thing. They're very sweaty. ever and, so and in sweaty this people. in the context of this film, that's how they all go swimming. Everybody strips down to their underwear and goes swimming in the in the pool. So that's why I bring up okay. the underwear parties. There it is. Yeah. Yet
0: another reason I'm really delighted that I'm not in high school anymore.
1: Well, that was one of the things I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to watch this with my daughter because she's gonna say, Oh, it's totally fine to be going to underwear parties. And I'm like, I don't I don't know if I want her to have that in her head yet. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's me, the prude dad, though. So what are you going to do?
0: How how does this stand up for you against, um, uh, let's say, uh, I mean, this is the other super bad, right? I mean, I that's it, it's, you know, I, I think paired a lot with super bad, just not the least for, of, of which because Jonah Hill is in uh, super bad. But um what, how did these How do these two films compare for you?
1: I loved Super Bad when it came out. Um, there are certainly elements like you've got the McLovin, which feels I think there's a hint of like a Jared type, you know that 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 uh, other friend that kind of pops in and out of the story. Yep. Um, I gosh i I'd have to see it again because I I remember enjoying it, but I don't. I didn't connect with it as much as I connected with these two characters, and I feel like. There's something about the level of kind of that high school nerd character that these two are that I just ended up identifying with them more than the the Super Bad characters. But that being said, I think that very much fits into this genre of these types of stories. You know, gosh, I should try watching Superbad before we do the retake. I'd be curious to revisit that and see what I think of that, because I just don't... Um I just don't remember it that well. I re- I do remember the end feeling like is it felt like there were some gay overtones like is he like as they kind of part ways at the escalator or something. Um I felt like there might be like a hint of that longing that he never was able to share because he never came out or something but um I I, I don't know if I was ever reading too much into that or not. I just don't know.
0: I do think that Superbad is has more going on than just a, a body, you know, teen comedy. I, I think it would be I, I think it might be a little bit understating the uh you know the what um Book Smart is to just say it's a, a boy's or a girl's super bad. I, I think they're they're different movies that live in in a similar universe of complexity of going through school at this age and they use comedy in different ways um, I, I think book smart has just largely broader comedy and maybe um, <laughs> broader comedy more consistently uh, and i i find it gets a little bit fatiguing toward the end i don't find i get fatiguing in this in in book i feel like it is paced really well um and uh, I, I think that's a problem that a lot of broad comedies have that, you know, the first first half of the movie is incredible and all the good jokes. And then it gets into, you know, a, a turn in the second half of the movie and you have to feel something and, and I, I lose I lose the pace.
1: Well, it's, it's the shift into the quote script. Right, yeah. where all of a sudden yeah. it's like, well, we got to get, we got to make sure we resolve this plot. So we got to have that the the low point at the end of the second act, so that we can build to our climax in the third act. And that's the whole thing that I think people struggle with, yeah. In in the movies, especially in comedies, because it's like, oh, well, it can't just be funny anymore. We have to figure out how are we. How are we shifting this into the actual story? We got to make sure we're paying attention to that.
0: And and in terms of of just an approach, a gendered approach, like I think there is a a difference between what kind of uh, what kind of film or, or what kind of experience the boys go through versus the girls. They're different. Like they're just substantially different. And I think watching the exploration, even in similar toned films, um, I, I think is unique for me. I get something out of both of them. They're both great movies. I enjoyed them both. Um but I, I I think it's dismissive to call to to categorize Booksmart as a girls super bad. I don't think they're
1: the same. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch Superbad to really make sure I'm I'm agreeing with that, but I feel like I am just because I think that Booksmart is Definitely, for this type of film, this kind of raunchy, R-rated high school comedy that fits into, like, the American Pie, the Super Bad, like, that world of story, I think that this one just excels in the way that it, it deals with relationships and, and characters. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to revisit Super Bad now. Me too. Brian's
0: asking how we'd compare it to Fast Times. What do you think about that?
1: Well, Fast Times, I... I think well I mean there's obviously a, a a difference in the way comedy works in early 80s with you know late teens I think that the the early 80s comedy uh, moments in Fast Times still play but it does it, it feels like you know it's it's the 80s comedy and I still can find it funny I also think that Fast Times is doing a lot more serious work that you don't necessarily give it credit for. You think of it as a comedy but it's uh you know it's dealing with abortion, it's dealing with a lot more serious issues that you don't necessarily find in this film. I mean this film's definitely dealing more with relationships and stuff but um so I I, I mean I think that they're both fantastic films. I just think that it's a it's a little bit of a different tone between the two.
0: Yeah, I and and I think many of the power dynamics in in Fast Times, particularly between the the boys and girls, are out of balance. And in this movie, you know, particularly because what we see is Amy's lesbian relationship, the the power dynamic is much more social and not gender based. And and uh, so that awkwardness, I think, plays a little bit more even handedly than uh, for today's audiences than certainly Fast Times does, which which feels more like a, a some you know watching her being sort of taken advantage of. It's hard not to see it that way in terms of the film you know i was uh I, I think bearish on fast times it's three star for me super bads for book smarts five so
1: yeah there you go all right i'm done so what did you think about book smart we want to know hop into the show talk channel over in a discord community where we are going to be talking this week about the movie when the movie ends our conversation begins
0: Letterboxd giveth Andrew As
1: Letterboxd always doeth.
0: Okay. Um I've now I've now read yours and it's funnier, so I'm gonna go first. <laughs>
1: this is about building the comedic arc
0: <laughs> mine's from lucy i always love lucy's reviews uh, and it does have uh, the highest activity um, amongst uh, my every my list of everyone uh, and she says this review may contain spoilers and then writes in all caps i lost my virginity in what i thought was a park but it turned out to be a graveyard and now the ghost spirits live inside my eggs waiting
1: to be reborn
0: and that's it <laughs>
1: That's Gigi for you. She is... I love it
0: so, so much. Uh, Yes.
1: Gigi cracks me All right, what do you got? I have Izzy's five star and says this wonderful film, but they had the choices to go to a boat party with Jared and a masseuse where they're giving out free iPads and the choice to go to a murder mystery party where they get to act as cool miscellaneous characters with backstories with music in the background that sounds straight out of The Great Gatsby. And instead, they desperately want to go to a plain old house party with people that talk them in school bathrooms. You have nothing to prove to anyone. Secure that gift bag. Kiss Jared and then go be an (laughs) innocent farm girl new to the big city stumbling upon a cold-blooded murder. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it, Izzy. Love it. it. That is the best. Yeah.
0: Perfect. (laughs) Thanks, Letterboxd.